Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this family-friendly Friday. Well, hopefully it's family-friendly episode. We're going to be with a state representative. I know that he'd like to see a government that's more family-friendly, and we're going to talk about those topics here in just a few moments, and we're going to announce some of the town halls that are going to be occurring so that families can go listen to and ask questions of their representatives after inspiration. Today our inspiration is going to talk about an appetite for distraction. I set my phone down, weary of a constant bombardment of images, ideas, and notifications that the little screen broadcasted. Then I picked it up and turned it on again. Why? In his book, The Shallows, Nicholas Carr describes how the internet has shaped our relationship with stillness. What the net seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Whether I'm online or not, my mind now expects to take in information the way the net distributes it. In a swiftly moving stream of particles, once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Living life on a mental jet ski doesn't sound healthy, but how do we begin to slow down to dive deeply into our spiritual waters? In Psalm 131, David writes, I have calmed and quieted myself. David's words remind me that I have responsibility. Changing habits starts with my choice to be still, even if I must take that choice over and over and over again. Slowly, though, we experience God's satisfying goodness. Like a little child, we rest in contentment, remembering that he alone offers hope, soul satisfaction that no smartphone app can touch and no social media site can deliver. Heavenly Father, the world is awash in distraction that doesn't satisfy our souls. Please help us to trust you to fill us with genuine contentment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we definitely need contentment, but others around us need contentment as well. Sometimes those folks are in our government. Sometimes those folks are representing us in our government because sometimes we just see governments and activists asking government in all the distractions to hurry up and do something before finding a calm place to think about it first. And I know that that occurs in our guest today in Representative Leonard Christian from the 4th Legislative District has seen that firsthand in Olympia where we jump to make decisions and sometimes those policies have to be rescinded because there's consequences sometimes that we don't foresee when we act foolishly and don't take that moment of pause. So. He's got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but he also needs to make sure that people find a way to reach him and talk to him at town halls. There's a few of them coming up, so break out that pen paper. Look at your calendar. November 28th at 6 p.m. at the Country Church, there's going to be a town hall. Leonard Christian will be there. Also, December 14th, 6 p.m. at the Valley Library. With that, we're going to drag Leonard Christian into the conversation. Well, thank you for having me here, as uh, always, Tim. I appreciate what you guys are doing on the uh, Rights Brocan perspective. And I appreciate you talking about the town halls because the one up in Elk, we're going to do that at the country church uh, here in November. We're going to actually try and focus a little bit too on, on uh, what's happened with the Oregon road fires up there. And, 
and what legislation we need to make sure that uh, we're pushing forward to help all those families recover and uh, just to be there. And I want to hear from them as well. And then the one in the Valley will be with my uh, seatmate, Suzanne Schmidt. We'll do that one together. And you're right. We want to have questions. We want to have interaction with the people we represent as we get ready to head to over to session in January. Well, I'm glad you're willing to do that and also make those travels. I'm glad you were able to travel into the studio. I know that you probably passed a few gas stations and thought maybe I can make it. You know, the the cost of fuel in our our state is insane to me when we we see the national news and the national news and folks are outraged at, you know, a national average of 380 a gallon. And this is a couple of weeks ago. It's 360. No, it's 340 a gallon. Uh, no, we're still over four bucks. Yeah, but not in Costco and uh, Coeur Lane, by the way, because I just filled up there today like I normally do every single Sunday. Uh, I think it was 373, I believe, today when I filled up. So, yeah, I, I almost never buy fuel in my own state. <laughs> right. Well, and you look at that, you look at the 4th Legislative District, I can probably assume that m- many of your constituents, because of other taxes, other mm-hmm. costs of doing business, and the cost of... Uh, having fuel for sale in Washington state, they choose to go over to Idaho and benefit the state of Idaho instead of keeping their dollars here. Uh, yep. Yeah, you can notice the uh, exit one over there, the gas station there is had to add double their lanes and uh, right across the street. Now there's going to be another gas station uh, going in there literally across the street because there's always a line there. And guess what? Most of those plates are Washington. Yeah, I definitely think that Idaho, you know, because of the actions of the Washington legislature at the request of activists and, and folks in the uh, Inslee administration, they're probably going to be passing some kind of law to allow, you know, f- for couplers. So you can like pump two cars at the same time, you know, cause the lines over there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And the attendants are so much happier. They are. They're always smiling. Yeah. I actually I've been over there a couple of times when they ran out of fuel to pump. So <laughs> thought that was not impossible, but, uh, nope, it was there a couple of times when they've been out of fuel. Yeah. But, uh, speaking of all of that, I mean, uh, the, the, I just got an email the other day from the Department of Ecology that uh, was looking into, governor just allowed them to start looking into tying our carbon uh, auctions uh, with California's and uh, Canada's. So apparently they just want to make sure that uh, this never goes away. It can't be changed. And so they're going to tie it all together. I'm kind of curious now, this is maybe jokingly, but (laughs) maybe serious. I'll let you gauge this question, uh, how you may. I'm wondering if Jay Inslee knows Bankman Freed. Because it seems like this carbon auction looks a lot like a fake Bitcoin scam. <laughs> you never know. But, I, I, you know, these folks are, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of oftentimes say, are you stupid? Is this the stupidest thing I've ever heard? But no, they know exactly what they're doing. Well, we were told it was going to be four cents a gallon. Oh, pennies. 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 I mean, ask uh, Governor Inslee. Pennies. But it, this, we're just starting on this whole thing. Yeah. This, is, this is something that, like, bad foreign policy and wars only escalate. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what they've done. They're a war with the American working family here in Washington state when it comes to fuel prices. And by Mm -hmm. the way, it's not going to fill potholes or anything else. It's going into slush funds to fund whatever uh, the next activist demands of the the governor. And, And this thing goes up. These, these auctions, the price increases, the availability of the carbon credits decrease, creating a, a void where people that are forced into this system to buy these credits 
are going to be looking at the consumers at the max ability to purchase things. Well, people don't stop and realize it, but uh, businesses don't pay taxes. They're customers. You know, I, I say that. Their customers pay the taxes. Sometimes that drives people nuts because business it's, people, it's they pay massive taxes, but they can't stay they in business stay. unless they pass them on to, be to passed us. Along. Absolutely. Right. They, uh, when every time we, we, we make a new law that affects a business, I'm sorry, they have to pass that along. They're not going to absorb it. They would not stay in business if they did. Well, and just one last thing on this, I suppose, f- for the gas price, mm-hmm. unless you want to go further, looking at the price of diesel fuel, which delivers food around the state, everybody's complaining about the cost of food in Washington. And the food prices weren't too much different in Idaho or Oregon or some other places. Now it's a lot different because mm-hmm. Washington shipping food around, we're looking at $6 a gallon not too long ago. And it was well over a dollar. Some places it's a dollar fifty difference per gallon in price. Well, I I, stopped, I was just in Olympia. I think it was last week. My weeks are going by so fast, uh, and I'll be again there again next week. Uh, but stopped in McDonald's for breakfast, and I thought, well, this would be quick. It was nineteen bucks. I I can't I can't. I was I'm not still hungry afterwards. Nineteen bucks. Nineteen bucks. Yeah. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I think nineteen dollars for McDonald's. Like, I, I went to I went to Safeway. Five apples. I had five apples in, in my Spokane, bag yeah. here. In, that yeah. was here in Spokane for five apples. It was twelve dollars and two cents. I thought we were in the apple state for five I apples. I just yeah. Well, Subway fifteen dollars. We you know stopped halfway on our way to Olympia fifteen dollars. Well, then so, we have minimum wage going up another dollar here in January, so that you don't think that's not going to get passed along. Well, and those people that are paying that extra that extra dollar is not going to cover their fuel costs next time mm. we have a carbon sale and our crazy governor and his administration is going to include California in the yeah. marketplace for our carbon cr- credits. Mm-hmm. Let them all tie together. Why don't, so why don't we just add guarantee, China? Guarantee, Let's just yeah. add China. We can just, right. They can run it for us. Yeah, right. Not. I thought I still, <laughs> I still think there's a bankman freed in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, th- this has got to change. We can't go down this policy. I know that there's uh, you know, people out there gathering signatures to, to try to overturn that on, uh, initiatives. And so mm-hmm. we'll see if the people end up doing that and responding. So what other things do you see going on in Washington that you either think are good or maybe have concern about? Uh, it seems like more concerns than good, to be really honest with well, you. Well, we are in Washington. Yeah. When I, when I meet with folks, um, you know, there, there's there's two groups, Tim, just two groups uh, for the most part. There's either the folks who want you to support their program, you know, give you money or whatever, help build whatever. And, and some of those things we have supported. Or they want you to help stop something. There doesn't seem to be any in between. It's help us stop, you know, this regulation or help, you know, stop this tax or help give us money. There's nothing in between when I meet with people. So it just surprises me that we need to figure out how do we, you know, as a minority, stop what's going on in Olympia. Well, it seems like the minority in Washington state, which has been a minority for most of my lifetime, I'm Mm -hmm. 45 years old. So maybe all my lifetime, but pretty close to most of my lifetime. We've seen the parties do different things. Now, I think one party has gotten more radical than mm-hmm. they were in the past, which is why we saw a 2003 budget of like $23 billion for our state. And now we have a $70 billion budget because the spending is ramped up with the uh, unreasonableness of how state government operates outside of actual budgetary realities. So... To, I think the party has done a lot better communicating recently with voters about why their rents are up, why 
the cost of living is up and why the education system doesn't listen to the parents anymore. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, we, we just got a budget forecast a couple of weeks ago and my understanding is we're going to be about $6 billion more than they expected, which to me blows my mind. They were already on the high end before, and now they're even expecting more. Well, it so, seems state services have also increased in spending beyond inflation prior to this mm-hmm. recent spike in inflation that we had. We saw education spiking in cost. We've seen comparisons to other states that did not see those spikes. Now we're looking at education that wants that inflationary increase again. Yeah. And but that's not just education; it's it's in a lot of other places. Yeah, I, I agree. I I I did want to circle back a little bit though, Tim, to what I think you know people talking to me saying, "What can you do to please help stop?" And I think we can. I think uh, I've been I've been looking at this. I've been uh, researching it, and uh, I, I know we, we can absolutely make it. Uh, as, as a minority party, we can make a difference. And and here it is. It's a mathematical certainty. We had uh, over fifteen hundred bills drop, and out of those, Republicans got about one hundred and twelve of those bills passed. Out of those fifteen hundred bills that were dropped, and the bills that were dropped was was not quite. Uh, it was probably a sixty forty split, maybe somewhere in there, but. Uh, if, if a Republican puts in a bill, they get about a 7% chance of it getting passed. 7%, yeah. wow. And if you if it's a Democrat, they have about a 33% chance of it getting passed. Well, where's the so, equity in that? Right, right. So here's the deal. Um, if, if, we're, if we're being asked to slow everything down, we can. It's just a matter of, of our caucus getting together and saying, we as a caucus are going to slow us down. If we each are given two minutes to speak and we speak for two minutes, guess how many bills get passed today? Three. Yeah. And that's if we don't have any amendments, mm-hmm. three. And so you take a short session, you, everyone gets up and talks. Guess what? The Democrats will eat themselves alive trying to get their bills passed. They will come unglued. Well, and, and many of them create new programs that don't work or unnecessary, mm-hmm. that there's already government funding. It just needs, to, you know, there's so many things with the moving parts of government. We don't have enough time to talk about all of them in this first half. But I think we do need to pray for a pause in spending, a pause in growing government, a pot. Let's think about this for a minute while we still have a dollar that's worth 85 cents. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back again with Leonard Christian. He's got some town halls coming up November 28th, 6 p.m. Country Church, December 14th, 6 p.m. Valley Library. We'll be right back. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, WA 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this family-friendly Friday. It's family-friendly. It's more family-friendly if you make sure all those loved ones turn out and vote. And I know just about 10 days ago, we had a local election that we should all vote in, regardless of, you know, president, no governor. It's our local government, you know, police, fire. The ones that affect you the most. The Mm -hmm. local potholes. It's important. I hope that everyone turned out and voted. And if they didn't, you might need to listen to this information about elections coming from the state because now we have the election season never ends folks i know that we've got special elections sometimes in between but right now you're looking at all of your house members and i don't know a third uh, half of your uh, state senators and your governor have to run and we got a gubernatorial race coming up so we have to be thinking about those things so we're going to drag leonard christian 
state representative, fourth district back into the conversation to tell us about elections and how that's going to be working here in Washington. So one of my committees that I'm on is state government and we deal with uh, election issues. And so you guys are going to be really interested in the things we just heard and uh, the testimony we received. The, the first one I thought was really interesting, universal voting. Any idea what universal voting is? Um, does, does that mean that um, if there is life out there that they'll get to vote too? I mean, no, I wish it, I was. This, this isn't like an Elon Musk yeah. thing about Martians and it's it's mandatory voting. It's so mandatory, mandatory voting. voting. We, we, so it, when you're you, kind of one of the crazy states with voting, mm, we already have same day voting to where, and it's been found where people vote in one district yep. in another state and then still receive a ballot from Washington. They can vote. We've got just there's so many holes in elections because we're just like everybody vote. We saw at Camp Dope when it was open. They or Camp Hope, if if people prefer <laughs> that name, we didn't find any hope there, so we yeah. we name it after what we found, uh, because I think that's how we typically name things is based upon their origin, and who found them and what was found. So at that homeless encampment, they were registering voters, and then they did a study of where were the people from, where were they residents of before they wound up in the encampment. Most of them not Washington, but now they're registered to vote. So we have all of those problems already. Now we're going to have mandatory voting? Mandatory voting. And uh, they're, they're bragging on it, how great it is, and that Australia you know, uses it. And, and guess what? I was in Australia. It's a joke. Uh, they don't do it. They're getting rid of it. And they, if you don't mandatory vote, they would send you a fine, like a parking ticket. Like so, so it already disproportionately hurts the people who can afford it the least because the people who can't make it to the polls, now you're going to get a ticket in the mail well, for you, not we, voting. We don't even go to the polls now. So it, yeah, it, it doesn't even cost anything for postage. Yeah. Wait, but a what minute, it's, wait a minute. But does it come with a caveat that the polls come back and everybody no, has to go to the polls? Of course not. Oh. No. Well, well, I think we should have polling places myself but sure you know I, i'd love the same day voting thing if, mm -hmm. except for don't register the same day no everybody goes and we count the same day like we used to be able to do before all this high-tech efficiency came out now it takes three weeks to vote but uh pretty amazing to me that we we can't do it in one day but universal voting i think every time we try to do something that we say oh look over here look it, it worked in Yugoslavia, it worked at the Slavic countries. It worked, you know, what's one of the, the one areas that Bernie Sanders liked to always use that something worked in. They put this policy in and then the Europeans or somebody comes and says, uh, no, that's not exactly what we did. You just kind of called it a similar thing. Yeah. Well, so Australia, they're getting rid of the voting. Yeah, not the mandatory, mandatory thing. Voting. Yeah, because it is. They, they were bra uh, bragging that we have they have sausages, barbecues, and everything else to on voting day. And yeah, I was over there during voting days, and believe me, they get, have sausage anytime you don't. I mean, it's Friday. It's not <laughs> a sausage day, right. like, and that sausage is not that good. Love Australia, their sausages were not that good. Yeah, uh, well, so you but, look at this this same this mandatory mm -hmm. voting yeah. thing. I I don't see this happening. They say, mm -hmm. oh, we're, we're going to enforce mandatory voting. They can't enforce basic laws. We can't get, yeah. we can't allow police to pursue criminals. But you can get a ticket for not voting. But that's not even the one that I thought was the most uh, interesting. So they ha want online voting. So they want to get rid of all paper ballots and go online. And so Kim Wyman, former secretary of the state, uh, testified and says, are you kidding me? You know, she was at the federal level, left the state to, to work on the federal task force for voting. And she says, it's just not secure. Absolutely not secure. And mm. then they had another uh, expert testify who also testified, not secure. It can't be securable. 
and there's no paper, you know, copies at that point to go back to to do a, a recount. No recount. It's a it's, so, a it's a digital copy that yeah. if it's been um, what would they what would you call a digital copy that you can't read? You know, it's been corrupted. And, and you can't get that file to work. How do you recount the vote? So it, I look at this too, and I, I, I always think back in history. I'm like, okay, in history, did, the, did something like this work? Well, you know, you can register for L&I. You can register for unemployment online. <laughs> How well did that work, Nigerian prince? Right? Yeah. We lost $500 million. Yeah, absolutely. Because they hacked into unemployment securities and they even got unemployment checks in the names of people who worked in unemployment securities. I don't think online voting is a good idea. No. And, and how do you tie that all together with its constitutional right that your ballots be secret? So how do you do that? You just can't. And so I thought it was uh, very telling that they didn't even have the current secretary of state, you know, Steve Hobbs come and talk about it. They didn't invite him. Yeah. What's your IP address? Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to track it here. Right. So, but yeah. that's, you know, those two seem really interesting, but here's the fun one. They want taxpayers to pay f for candidates races for their campaigns. That's now we've heard about this idea before and it has been tried in places. And it's I'm currently going on in Seattle. I'm and, right. And it's, it's, it's very interesting to see, well, just because if it happens you in know, Seattle, we shouldn't necessarily do it everywhere. I think that we've we've learned the outcomes of these things, and we don't want to get rid of our current justice system. You what know. happens in Seattle needs to stay in Seattle, and I don't understand why we would go to that effect when really what you could do is if you're running in Spokane, your, do your donations need to come from Spokane. That would make sense I, yeah, to me, like but that. not mandatory. Mm -hmm. And the people aren't paying for it unless they are coming to your event well, and they donate to your well, campaign. Well, we, we have a public disclosure commission so mm -hmm. that we can find out where politicians get their money. I think that we should maintain that. I think it should be honest. I think that instead of uh, a, a large wash of money coming right at the end of elections, I think there should be a cutoff for fundraising so that when voters sit down and vote, all the information, there's a lot of things they could do to make transparency to make more fairness in campaign finance i believe in my experience doing campaigns but to say it's going to be government funded that just means oh i'm just i'm an activist i'm an organizer and that's just going to create more political people paid to go out and take money from voters to put in campaigns because tell us a little bit how that kind of works well what they want to work is that every citizen of voting age, not even registered voters, every citizen and um, resident, legal alien resident uh, allowed to be here would all get four coupons for $25 each, $100 from the state. And they could hand those coupons to anyone that any candidate they want. And then this, this organization, uh, state ran organization will determine which candidates can actually cash those in, even though you collected say $10 million worth of worth of those, if they don't decide that your candidate uh, is, is meets their criteria, you can't cash those in. So it becomes a bureaucratic decision on Absolutely. whether they can even be used. And then at the same mm -hmm. time, they, these campaign credits for voters can be used similarly to food stamp cards in homeless camps as mm -hmm. a currency. They sell them or buy them 50 cents on the dollar, whatever it takes, but that's tax. It just breeds corruption. You and me. It just breeds corruption. Yeah, it, it though, too. It, it's not yeah. just, it's not just to me. But a it's waste also of money. somebody else picking and choosing who our representative is going to be instead of the people in that district. Well, because yeah. any sane person that says, I don't want to pay more taxes 
because we're already in a really high tax state, it's hard for us to afford to live and more people are falling under the poverty line, that that person's going to say, no, I'm not going to give this tax credit to a politician. Those people, by doing the financially responsible thing, are actually going to be hindered and the candidates they vote for will be hurt by them not cashing in those credits, right? It will benefit the most uh, loony, spend like a drunken sailor politician that's out there and breeds corruption. Tim, I'll give you 50 bucks if you give me your $25 credits. I got a candidate. I How many $25 credits do I even have? They won't even know. They'll, well, here's they'll get the a deal. knock on the door. They'll hire somebody to go door to door and collect these on yeah. the idea that, uh, you know, you collect $100 worth of credits, you get half of it, One. 50 bucks back. So they're going to go progressively, you know, around the door to door and collect these, these uh, vouchers. And you, mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I, I know Leonard pretty well. I've known him for quite a long time. We've served on local uh, boards together. And I don't think you're making a gross assumption. I think you want to be firm in your facts. And the reason why you know they're going to go door to door, because that's what they did in Seattle, yeah. right? Yeah. This is this is some of the stories we heard about Seattle. And this is mm-hmm. actually going on. Taxpayers in Seattle are paying for candidates' uh, campaigns. And actually, since they integrated that, Seattle politics has gotten stranger. It gets expensive. And there's money to be made now. It's all the taxpayers paying it. Yes. So taking money from the, you know, from the hardworking individuals and these programs that we should be, you know, our schools and, and whatever, and giving it to campaigns, really, just doesn't make any sense to them. Well, it does help fund activists to go mm-hmm. out there Absolutely. and and make a living collecting campaign finance. Uh, you know, and I, that just doesn't seem like a job most people would want to do if they'd like government to tighten their belt like the rest of us working folks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we got about three minutes left. Uh, so we just we went from uh, interestingly crazy policy to all out crazy policy. So what what's on the the front for? I know that we feel like the minority party can stop some of these things by just helping the majority party, some of the sensible ones in there, mm-hmm. out with the math on these things. Uh, what else do you think we got going on? Uh, well, we, we've got some uh, legislation going on. I know uh, my seatmate's working uh, to to get some of the uh, building regulations rolled back for some of the fire victims. Uh, I know uh, April Connors, Representative Connors, is working on a bill that would uh, refund some tax money from the uh, gas, uh, more money than they expected was collected, and they believe that should go back to the taxpayer. These are great bills. The chances of them passing, not sure. Um, but there's certainly bills that we, you know, the Republicans are going to definitely uh, bring to light and, and let the voters know these are the kind of things that we would do should we be given power to do them. And well, you would think that the the bill to go ahead and give the citizens back some money would would pass, you know, because it would be equitable. It would be would great, think. and 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 even Democrats want money back. Well, and I think that obviously we we have a lot of disparity. And a a lack of equity in our state. This is something that we hear the majority party say all the time, that their gas tax, that is a carbon tax that doesn't fix the streets in the working class and low-income neighborhoods, their extra gas tax is borne mostly by the people they always talk about helping. They Mm -hmm. talk about regressive taxes. The folks that are driving electric cars to the CEO parking lots or to the legislature where they plug in for free at the public library, they're not paying those taxes. The working class people, they always pretend to help are the ones that are hurt by this kind of stuff. The rich people are being subsidized their cars that they buy. Yeah. Well, and, and 
maybe the votes that they don't have to buy <laughs> if, the, if we're going to be subsidizing campaign finance. <laughs> but um, bump. Yep. Yes. But drum roller. Yep. So um, anything else before we go today? I, no, I'm I just really want to thank in. you guys for uh, giving me the opportunity to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, getting out in uh, the town halls and being out in the uh, you know public again, just as we're getting ready to head into not only the Christmas season, but most importantly, the uh, legislative season when we head back to Olympia. We really want to make sure we hear the, the people's voice very clear. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Shannon, for what you've done here today. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. And folks, remember those representatives that are reachable. And there's some in both parties. Well, you just can't reach. You never hear from. You're like, they campaign from their basement. And I'm not talking about the national level. I'm talking local. They campaign from their basement. You don't have a phone number. They don't answer the emails. Or you, you know, send them texts they don't and have emails and, and they never answer they you. They don't have town halls. And, and so Leonard Christian is one of those ones that has responded and reached out to us to come on the air. But make sure those representatives that are reachable by you, that you support them this time around when they're running for office. Again, there's going to be town halls, November 28th, 6 p.m. Country Church. December 14th, 6 p.m., Valley Library. There's going to be a campaign season for all these representatives coming up, but there's also a legislative session that's going to be starting about mid-January, and those representatives might need support on amendments to bills to call your representatives. If you don't live in that district, call your representative and ask them to support what your uh, the representatives are doing that might make common sense for working families. All that being said, we're going to be with you folks again on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.